Welcome to your Relationship Lovecast by True Potential, the weekly web show and podcast that explores relationships and wellness, featuring in-depth interviews with acclaimed authors, wellness experts, health influencers, and spiritual leaders so that you can create a relationship and life you love. And now your host, Andrea Carella. Hello, Relationship Lovecasters. Today, you are listening to Episode 13 of your Relationship Lovecast by True Potential Counseling. Today, we are going to be talking about the six forms of intimacy in marriage and how to break the silence with your partner. Today, we will also be learning essential strategies to initiate sex with your partner and some practical tips for arguing less with your partner. Now, dealing with the changes of life and really trying to step into our own authentic power is really an important aspect both for ourselves individually and to enter into and incorporate into a marriage and in a relationship. That is why I've invited Elisa and Tony DiLorenzo, the founders of One Extraordinary Marriage, the number one marriage podcast on iTunes, where they have candid conversations about sex, love, and commitment that inspires people around the world to implement changes in their lives, live more authentically, and to understand their motivations in their relationship. They have written two books, Stripped Down, 13 Keys to Unlocking Intimacy in Your Marriage, and The Seven Days of Sex Challenge. Thank you so much, Elisa and Tony, for being with us today on the show. You're welcome, Andrea. We're excited to be here with you and your audience. Yeah, thank you, Andrea. Wonderful. So we'll go ahead and just uh, jump on in to the first question. First of all, just to let our audience know a little bit more about you, what inspired you to get into the relationship field? And what is your purpose and motivation for doing what you do? Well, we found ourselves in the relationship field kind of by accident. Um, It really was the fact that Well, we're getting ready to celebrate 19 years of marriage. So eight years ago, when we were just about at 11 years, we were at a crossroads and our marriage was not good. We were more like roommates sharing responsibilities of a household and two young children than we were lovers and friends. And so we knew at that point in time that we we had a couple of options that we were looking at. We could have gone down through the path of divorce. We could have said, you know what, we're just going to grin and bear it for the next, our youngest was two at the time, for the next 16 years until she was 18 and, and say, you know what, we'll just, you know, grit our teeth and make the best of a bad situation. Or we could get really radical. And we made the decision to get really radical. And at that time, eight years ago, we did uh, the 60 Days of Sex Challenge which we committed to one another that we were going to endeavor to have sex for 60 days in a row. And we ended up completing 40 out of 60. And it was through there and through sharing our story about what transformed in our marriage and what we learned that people started asking us, well, how do we do it? What else can we do? What did you learn? What, how does this work in our marriage? And that's how we found ourselves writing the first book, Stripped Down, and then subsequently starting the podcast, which is five and a half years old now. Oh, congratulations. One on how long you've been married as well as the podcast. And thank thank you you for sharing that story because I think that that's a very common dilemma that many couples face throughout the the process of their marriage. um, Thank you for, for being candid. You're welcome. How about for you, Tony? What are, what, what's your point of view? It, it was just that. I mean, in all honesty, we are just at this point where it was just, it was dry. There was nothing happening. 
And so, you, you know, the, we, we talk about this a lot now is just taking action. You know, if you're, if you're in a rut, if you're in, in a box and you're just sort of in this comfort zone and things are just sort of rolling along, it's probably time to, to take some action, mix things up. And for me, that was, that's where we were. I just felt like we were just doing the same thing over and over and nothing was changing. Mm. And so through the 60 days of sex challenge, we just learned a ton about each other. It was change. Was it radical for us? It sure was. It was very radical. I mean, you have two people just sort of going through their normal day to day with a five and a two year old to now we're having to figure out how to have sex on a daily basis when the previous year i don't know how many years it would have taken us to get to 40 times right i mean it wasn't <laughs> so that's that's where it came from where we are now though it just came out of like elisa said people asking and truly for us it was a place of a lot of the folks that we were looking to gain insights about marriage especially making it the long term was that it was good stuff Unfortunately for me, I didn't feel like there was any skin in the game. And when I say skin in the game, there was no transparency. There was no openness. There was no honesty behind those words. They were saying great words and I could find those words anywhere. And so when Elisa and I really decided to start our podcast, the thing that we said to each other that we would always do is we'd be open, honest, and transparent. We we're going to share the deep, intimate emotions that happen because truly that's where people are transformed and we're about transforming lives and marriages. And honestly, weekly we do our show and, and our lives are still transformed because we get to talk for half an hour to each other. And sometimes there are things that come up that we get enlightened and we go, Oh, I didn't know that. Or thanks for sharing that, you know, and mm -hmm. I learned something about you today. I think uh, Brene Brown is speaks on this topic very beautifully about being vulnerable with one another mm -hmm. and how by being vulnerable and open and wholehearted that that opens up a space in the relationship where that intimacy and contact can take place. Yep. And really that's where empathy and understanding can take place and take form. And that openness of communication is, is key. And that's definitely something that I am a proponent for with my clients that I work with day in and day out. It's a, it's a great step uh, to, to keep things fresh in your marriage and, and keep things alive. In going on to the next question, please share the six forms of intimacy in marriage since you might have some perspective on, on what those different components are. Yeah, so as we got started, we just started looking at the whole of marriage, like the entirety of it. When intimacy is shared or said, most people automatically go to sexual. It's like... We're intimate and most people's minds and, and ours at, at early on would go, Oh, it's, it's all about sex. And truthfully, there's six forms of them. And there's, you know, your emotional intimacy, there's your spiritual intimacy, there's your intellectual intimacy, there's your recreational intimacy, there's your financial intimacy. And lastly is your, your physical and sexual intimacy. And each one of those plays a huge part in your marriage. Because if you're not, you brought it up very well that if we're not emotionally connected, sex is sex. It's, it's nothing exciting. It's nothing um, 
truly like binding you together. And Elisa and I have experienced that. Um, and we experience that sometimes even to this day. You know, we talk about this stuff daily and, and work with couples ourselves daily. If we're not emotionally connected, the sexual part can be pretty drab. It's when we become very emotionally uh, intimate with each other that that physical and that sexual part will really come together. Finances, mm. big piece. People are wondering, you know, well, I want better sex. And you start diving in. And you come you come to find out, well, they're 50000 in debt. That they don't have a steady income and that has a big impact on both a husband and a wife. Absolutely. Be, you know, he, and I don't know who the provider is, but whoever the provider is is stressed because they're not bringing in money. The, right. the other one who's not, you know, be it a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad or whatever may be the situation they're sitting there going, are we going to have enough to pay the bills? Are we going to have enough to put food on the table for the kids, for us. And that has a huge impact on your sexual intimacy. And it, it's hard to f feel sexy or be sexy with your partner when you're not in a sexy situation <laughs> financially. Right. Yeah. So true. And you know, each one of those intimacies we've seen play out in our own marriage and in you know, the lives of our audience around the world because what you know, couples are finding is that if they start working on those and you don't have to work on all six at the same time, it's virtually impossible to raise them all up at the same time because you're, you just, it's a challenge. But when they start working on one and put the focus on one, then the other ones start to rise with it. And they start to have this connection in their marriage that they haven't experienced either ever before or in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really those building blocks a lot of those small steps, but doing, doing them consistently creates a, a big difference and a big impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Consistency is probably one of the best words that a couple can have in their relationship. Um, because when you do those positive behaviors consistently, you build trust, you build a foundation, you build security, you, you really give the message to your spouse that I'm in this for the long haul and I'm willing to match my actions with my words. Absolutely. And prioritizing the relationship uh, to be able to take it to the next level. Yeah. Correct. Now, a lot of couples out there, they get into arguments, uh, conflict, tension. Some people have silent moments or the silent treatment or withdrawal or just resentment that builds up. So what would you say some suggestions are to breaking that silence with your partner to lighten the mood? Well, first I have to disclose that the first probably 10 or 12 yeah. what would you say 10 or 12? 10, or 12. Uh, 10 to 12. I was the silent withdrawal partner. I was, you know, Tony used to liken it. We're here in Southern California, and Tony used to liken it to a power outage. He's like, oh, we, we yes. get into a what a great metaphor. Yeah. You would just be like, whoosh, um, and shut down. And, you know, in our marriage, that caused a lot of conflict because Tony's like, it's not over. You can't just ignore this until you feel like talking to me again. And that's exactly what he said to me. One night he sat on the couch and was like, I'm not getting up until we break through this. And it was at that moment that I realized that he loved me enough that he wasn't going to go anywhere, that I could say whatever was on my mind, even if he didn't agree, even if he didn't like it, even if it was going to make him mad and it was going to be okay. And so that was really a turning point in our marriage. And it's something, you know, 
the silent treatment or, you know, however you choose to handle conflict, that's a learned behavior. The great thing about learned behaviors is that you can learn new behaviors mm -hmm. to, you know, combat that, to, you know, lower the intensity of that. And so for us, you know, what we found is that we had to have some code words in our marriage. Um, we have, you know, a code word for, you know, when the kids were little, when we wanted to have sex and we didn't want them to know. And so we had, you know, let's, let's go to the, I think it was like the Dodgers baseball game or something. It was something completely random. The kids didn't figure it out for years, but it was a code word. We had the same thing when we're starting, one of us is starting to get upset instead of saying, Hey, I notice you're getting angry, which of course is just an inflammatory statement. Um, you know, it was a code word. I've got clients that use the phrase chocolate chips. The guy like the husband likes chocolate chip cookies. So when they say chocolate chips, it's enough for him to smile because he's like, okay, she recognizes that something is going on with me. And we can just take a deep breath because sometimes we just stop breathing when we're in conflict with our spouses. You go into that panic mode. It's the total it's fight or flight. That attachment panic. Exactly. And when you're panicking, you know, all of your energy is, you know, it's centered on your core, not on your breathing, not on your head. You know, it's like everything goes straight to the middle. And so, you know, what we've said is have this code word, take a deep breath, and then change your body language. You know, so often when we get angry or when we get upset or when we feel threatened, part of that panic reaction is to literally clamp down our body. So it's the arms crossed, it's the jaws clenched. Maybe you're starting to sweat. You've got, you know, that upset stomach thing going on. And so literally just changing your body posture can change the whole tenor of the conversation. And it literally takes all of 10 seconds. Absolutely. I think mindfulness is essential where we're aware in the present moment, non-judgmentally, just being able to be conscious of maybe what those thoughts are, those body sensations are, because that mindful awareness allows you to be conscious enough to shift out of it and shift your body posture, shift your mood, so that you can actually approach it with a different level of energy, because your partner feels all that energy, and you can go back and forth if you're unconscious of it and aren't aware of what signals you're sending through your body language. So I think that that's very true. Well, and I think, you know, we live in such a reactive society. You know, when you use the word mindfulness, and that's a great word, but I think most people live day to day without being mindful mm -hmm. of what's going on with them, of the situations that they may be causing or reacting to. And so I often ask people, I'm like, what do you feel like when you're starting to get upset? And when I first ask them that, they're like, I don't know, I'm just mad. And yet, as we start to explore this together, they become so aware of their physiological responses. And that awareness is its power to change your relationship. Mm -hmm. I think awareness is the key to change. It's the first step before change can happen, for sure. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you would like to add, Tony, to that, or or no, shall we move on? Wonderful. You guys did wonderful. <laughs> we covered everything beautifully. Yes, <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, then the next piece is, uh, can you share some strategies, since we were talking about intimacy and the different phases of intimacy, why don't we go ahead and hone in on initiating sex and sex intimacy? Do you have any strategies on how to go about that process in today's busy work, life, balance, chaos with kids, 
sort of situation that many people face on the planet. Yeah. Well, one thing I think is, you know, something that we each of us need to be mindful of is you need to be intentional about initiating sex. And it goes both ways. Um, Elise and I have talked for a long time about the high desire and low desire spouse. And so what ends up usually happening is the high desire spouse is the one who is continuously and constantly initiating. And the, the low desire spouse has two options, either A, I'm going to accept it or B, I'm going to reject you. And so what ends up happening over time, typically, that the low desire spouse rejects more than they accept. And so that causes the high desire spouse to then retreat and not initiate anymore. You know, they get tired of it. They get it, it's it becomes fear builds up within them. Like if I do this, they're already thinking like three steps ahead and they won't even get to the initiating anymore because they know what's going to most likely be the outcome. And so one thing that Elise and I started seven years ago is, is our intimacy lifestyle. And the way our intimacy lifestyle is set up is between Elise and I, we decided that we were going to have sex two times a week. And the way it's set up is that on Sunday, Mondays, and Tuesdays, one of those days, I have the opportunity to initiate sex. And I'm the high desire spouse. Elise, on the other hand, has Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday to initiate sex. And what this has allowed us to do is that both of us are equally yoked in that we both initiate throughout the weeks, each mm -hmm. week, you know, week in and week out. And that has helped us to overcome, for me personally, the rejection. And also, I want to be desired as well. Mm -hmm. I want to be desired in my, I want to know that Elisa desires me. And so through that, you know, there are a number of ways that we can both initiate, you know, for her, I mean, she can come to bed, you know, wearing a bit of lingerie. She could come to bed wearing nothing. I could come to bed wearing nothing. You know, we could give hints throughout the day instead of it just being that evening or the middle of the day, whenever you're going to have sex, it's more of a romance. You know, we're going, we're going to romance each other throughout the day. And that may mean a few text messages. I'm not saying that Elisa and I, when we're romancing each other in that aspect that like we have 50 text messages and, you know, 20 emails flying back and forth over the course of a day. It may be amount to like three or four text messages and a phone call. You could leave notes. There's a cool game that we have now on our bed called the game of love. And it's just wonderful. My you husband can... and I have that one too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it, it's, it's wonderful. You know, that's a fun way to, you know, initiate. Hey, and, and because it, you have the erasable, what is it? Washable markers. The washable markers. You know, every game can be different. Here's something that I think adds to initiating is take a shower with your spouse. Wipe them down. You know, it doesn't always have to be this routine. Like, break out of those routines. What can you do that shifts your thinking and shifts how you look at your spouse so that they know you're desiring them in a, in a, in a new way, a different way. If, if you're not one to come to bed naked, believe me, if you come to bed naked, your spouse is probably going to get the idea that you're initiating. 
Probably. <laughs> and, and I want to say something. Absolutely. Of, yeah, because we often joke, like, please stop thinking your spouse has ESP or anything like yeah. that, that they can read your mind. One of the things that we had to work through in our own marriage was this idea of we actually had to tell each other, here are ways that I initiate sex. Mm -hmm. yeah, because, so you know, Tony would love to, you know, constantly have the, you know, naked wife on the bed with the rose petals and the violin playing in the background. And high heels. And high heels. Mm -hmm. And that has only happened once in our almost 19 years of marriage. And I don't think we had the rose petals or the violin. It was just the, the naked wife with the high heels. Mm -hmm. And, but for him to know that I had to tell him. And I think that's where a lot of couples get stuck is that, you know, one person's trying to initiate their signals aren't being understood. And then they throw up their hands and say, well, that's it. I'm not initiating sex anymore. Well, no, keep initiating sex, but let your husband or your wife know, look, if I do this, this is my signal. Like, give yourself a fighting chance at success by telling them, look, if I come to bed naked, I want to have sex with you. If I say, let's take a shower, I want to have sex with you. If I, you know, give you a massage, maybe that leads to sex, maybe it doesn't. We can discuss it while, you know, I'm rubbing you down. But stop trying to put the expectation on your spouse that they're going to be able to guess exactly what you're thinking. I think a, a lot of it is about foreplay, mm -hmm. those emotional moments that, you know, either that day, earlier on in that week, a few hours before, it's basically this leading up to that is sending these signals. And I think it's really nice to be transparent about those signals uh, with your partner openly. So then that way they have a heads up in case their signals are different. And I think being able to really cultivate that foreplay, not just with the destination of, of sex, but the journey of the process of your day-to-day -day life, incorporating affection in other ways that are either sexual or non-sexual, but in the genre of affection and love and nurturing the other person, I think that sets the tone. Terms of endearment is key through text message, through writing a note in their lunch, something that sends signals that I care about you and you're desired. And right. you can get so busy with so many other things that even though that's a priority, if actions aren't behind it, then the other person doesn't feel that they're a priority. So it's important to keep it top of mind. Right. And that's where the intimacy lifestyle comes in. Because now you're having sex more often, so you're learning those. Mm -hmm. It's it very difficult when you're having sex once every three months. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's where a lot of folks in the one family, they'll, they'll go from like, say, a seven days of sex challenge where they're sort of learning all those new things. And then they jump into the intimacy lifestyle. And for some, it may be like Elise and I. It might be two days a week. Some, it may be once a week. For some, it's more. I mean, we have folks that we know that they'll commit to three, four days a week. Mm -hmm. That's That for them is, you know, between them and what works best for them. What ends up happening is that you learn that, though, through doing it. Mm -hmm. you, you learn those things. And, and so for folks who aren't having sex that often, it's hard to know what do I do anymore. Mm -hmm. It's been and, three months. And I think setting the parameters, even though it's not as organic, setting those parameters of, okay, these are your days, these are yours, then it, it creates this combination objective between both people that keep it top of mind and make it a priority. And it's just as important as going to work that day. <laughs> Right. As opposed to it getting 
the short end of the stick at the end of the day, like I'm too tired, I'm too tired, you know, it's it really sets the tone priority wise in conserving those energy units mm-hmm. because you only have so many in a day, but conserving those that I, I'm reserving this for my relationship and for the intimacy of my relationship. Right. You schedule a doctor's appointment. You schedule time to go get fit. You schedule time to, you know, go to lunch with a girlfriend or a guy friend. You you schedule all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet when it comes to the most intimate relationship, we think it's supposed to just happen. Right. Which is a is not true. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's that's truth. I mean, as much as people don't want to hear it, a lot of people don't want to hear it. It's like, oh, but then it's scheduled and it's not spontaneous. Well, our comeback is how often are you having spontaneous sex? Mm-hmm. Because the people we talk to, they're not. But when they get on that intimacy lifestyle, they can because it's still spontaneous. I just know I'm going to initiate on Sunday, Monday or Tuesday. Right. There's some flexibility within the structure, so to speak. There's some freedom. Yeah. At least it's not like it's set in stone. It's like, oh, it's going to be Tuesday at 3 p.m. every week. No, it's not that at all. It's just it allows us this freedom to be able to go, hey, we're we're at least going to make our marriage, make our sexual intimacy a priority. Absolutely. So – Moving on to the next part, what are some practical tips uh, for arguing less in your relationship? A lot of times people get frustrated, whether it's about lack of sex or lack of emotional connection, and people build up resentments and frustrations and tend to argue a lot in front of the Mm -hmm. kids and that whole experience, uh, being mindless in that process as kids are watching that. What are some suggestions of arguing less in in a relationship and how to be able to tailor it in a different way that addresses the problems rather than avoiding it, but doing it in an effective and productive way. One of the biggest things is that couples don't necessarily schedule time to talk about the big issues anymore. If something comes up, we're in such an immediate society that it's instantly, you know, a text message, a voicemail, an email message, probably in all capital letters, which folks don't text in capital letters. It's just inflammatory. Yeah. And so we we don't schedule time to sit down and and be with our spouse when they're in a better frame of mind. We saw this happening in our own marriage and we realized, you know, we need to schedule these talks, right? If we've got something that we're dealing with, be it financially, be it parenting wise, be it emotionally, we need to it's almost as important as the date to have sex is the date to connect emotionally, to sit down and say, what is going on with you? And you know, when we started doing that, we're like, okay, this works. Like we just know that, you know, whatever day it's going to be that week, we're going to sit down and it's going to be a safe place because we're both in a good frame of mind, right? It's checking the calendars to say, what do you have going on this day? Can we talk then? It's also, I heard, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Goff. He wrote the book, Love Does. Okay. Mm-hmm. He is is an attorney, and one of the things he talked about was when he would do depositions with his clients, he would always advise them to sit with their palms up. And I remember hearing the story, and I'm like, every couple needs this strategy. Because in the depositions, when people get, you know, when they're dealing with opposing counsel, the questions can become, uh, feel attacking, they can feel confrontational, and so people would tend to, you know, start making fists and, and just getting all riled up. Um, physically. And so we said when they went palms up, it allowed them to just kind of open themselves up, 
calm their body temperature and just be fully present in the moment, going back to the mindfulness that we were talking about a little while ago. Mm -hmm. And so we actually, we've brought this strategy into our own marriage, into our own resources um, that we make available to couples and we call it Palms Up. And it, one spouse or the other calls it when they see the tension starting to rise and it's literally flipping your hands over. And at that moment, taking that deep breath to say, okay, hold on, let me, let me not keep just going down in this mindless path. Let me take a moment to think, okay, where are we? What are we really arguing about? Because sometimes we just argue um, as a society, we just argue because we got nothing better to do. It's not even that important to us. We know our spouses so well that, you know, it's like little kids that are just poking at each other. Mm-hmm. We do that in marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're mindful of why you're fighting, is it something you're really like on a scale of one to 10? Is this a 10 for you where you absolutely have to win this argument? Or is it a two and you've got nothing better to do and you're hungry and tired? So let's let's just pick a fight. Right. And you know, I, I, yeah, definitely. I think the patterns of behavior, sometimes we get caught up in the surface dance of the behaviors mm-hmm. and responding to each other's behaviors, but don't really think, what am I, what's underneath this anger and what am I needing right. in this moment and talking about that. So true. So true. So, you know, scheduling time, to, you know, the two biggest strategies that we, we implemented in our marriage and we've shared throughout the One Extraordinary Marriage show is scheduling that time to talk so that you know that you aren't going to have to wait until the next big argument to bring out something that your husband or wife has done for the last three weeks that's been bugging you and just, you know, turning into this, you know, huge open wound. Be like, mm-hmm. no, if we talk every Tuesday night, then I know that most I have to go seven days before I bring this up. And mm-hmm. if it's something really big, then I say, hey, Tony, when do you have time in the next couple of days for us to sit down and talk? I, I'm dealing with something and I, I need to know what is going to be best in your schedule. Mm-hmm. And then that allows him to go, okay, when am I going to be in a, the best possible place to talk to Elisa so that I can give her my full attention so that I'm not distracted with projects so that we're not running to a kid's football game. So, that, so we set ourselves up for success. And I think if more couples went towards how are we going to be successful in this conversation as opposed to I'm just got to be right and I've got to do it right now, they would have fewer arguments because they were making those proactive choices. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Something that I, I do with my husband, usually if, if we're frustrated, usually I, I like to, to journal actually before I address it or mm-hmm. if we've been talking about it and it still feels incomplete or unresolved, maybe we're tired at the end of a day and just the timing isn't right. I, and I still have it festering inside of me. I, I, I journal and then I get all my thoughts and feelings out and then I approach him or he actually approaches me the next day and or even that later on that evening if we're not too tired and then we actually have a heart to heart and find resolution in that and then we're able to move forward and really understand each other because sometimes if you're just consumed with your thoughts and the other person's consumed with their thoughts Sometimes we can make up a story of something or um, based on past experiences or our own vulnerability in that moment. And having that clarity conversation opens things up so you can see things from their perspective and your perspective and you just see the whole picture a lot clearer. And then the anger and frustration melts away. And that's just so beneficial because to carry that is just, it doesn't feel good. 
Well, yeah, it, just, it doesn't it feel good and, and the energy keeps coming out. Absolutely. Um, in passive aggressive ways if it's not addressed. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Speaking from lots of past experience there. You wanted no, to say I just, something. I just agree with that. You know, just allowing yourself to journal, um, you know, being being able to write that stuff down instead of going off the cuff sometimes I think is just so important because we can, you know, it, it's one of those things where a lot of us, when we get into those situations, our heart starts beating, we, we start getting sweaty and in and, and all honesty, we just forget everything. Like our, our mind just blanks on us. And so if you're able to journal and write some of these points down that are that are frustrating to you or that you have some concerns with it, it there, there's nothing wrong with going into a situation, a conversation with, you know, a piece of paper, your journal and being able to say, hey, you know, these are the areas that I've been struggling with here in our marriage. Just he hear me out. You know, I got, you know, give your spouse a heads up, you know, let them know there's three and you know, don't, don't go on forever and ever. Because <laughs> right. They, they are, they are going to start checking out, but you know, to give some expectation of, Hey, I just have two points. I really want to cover that. I, I just, I need to share that are, that are really just frustrating to me. And maybe we can just touch on these and we can just sort of wade through these right now. Yeah. I think sometimes our mind can go so quickly and it's really important to not just say everything that you have, coming through your through your head in that particular moment because those words you can't take them away and so being able to be really clear on why are you so mad you know why are you frustrated in this moment and to yeah. give yourself that that time out i mean we give kids times out sometimes we as adults need <laughs> need time yeah. out too yeah. so we can actually really speak from our heart yeah. and speak from that vulnerable place and if we don't give ourselves time to to take the elevator down into our heart, then yeah. our partner loses that opportunity to truly see us and understand us. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any additional pointers that you would like to share with our audience? It all boils down to your marriage is your most important relationship. And when your marriage is strong, you are equipped to handle everything that the outside world throws at you because you know that the person that you're coming home to every night, the person you're waking up next to, this person's got your back and is holding your hand through whatever the two of you face. And so making that relationship a priority will always, always, always benefit you. It will never be wasted time. It will never be wasted energy. It will always be that rock that you can count on. Absolutely. And then I know you have some resources for our audience members. Would you like to share uh, some of those resources with us today? Yeah. We talked about initiating. We have a free resource called the Top 10 Ways to Initiate Sex with Your Spouse. And folks can pick that up at oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash initiate. And this gives you some ideas. You know, if you're just sort of stuck in the rut and you've been doing that same thing over and over, here are the top 10 ways that we have found for us and, and many in the one family that help to initiate sex in a different way. And so, you know, that's from romancing to it might mean a quickie. And what does that look like for you guys? Our other resource, we talked about palms up. 
and we actually have a checklist on how to go through Palms Up. There are six steps, and they go by really quick. I mean, you can do this within two to five minutes. So in the event of a, an argument starting to get heated, you know, you can, you can implement this. So that way you bring the temperature down quickly, and so it doesn't escalate and then lead to the silent treatment or to, you know, more words being flown at each other. And you can pick that up at oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash palms up. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for those resources and for your time today. I really enjoyed having uh, both you, Elisa and Tony, on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Andrea. Wonderful. So there you have it. I hope you found this podcast as interesting and as informative as I did. And to get access to the show notes and links mentioned on the show, you can go to truepotentialcounseling.com. We have some exciting things coming up here at True Potential Counseling. If you'd like to get free access to my three-part video series so you too can create a relationship and life you love, head on over to createarelationshipyoulove.com. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next week on Relationship Lovecast. Thanks for listening to Lovecast by True Potential at www.truepotentialcounseling.com. 